Welcome to Nutria Performing Arts Stories. I'm Dwayne Burkhardt. Our guest today is arguably one of the most important people in the history of the entertainment industry. And yet, if you're not from Nutrier, you may not have ever heard her name. But you've absolutely heard a lot of the names of the people who she has trained. Suzanne Adams is the former head of the Performing Arts Department at Nutrier, and without question or argument, the matriarch emeritus of the program. Suzanne, it is a great honor and a pleasure for me to welcome you to Nutrier Performing Arts Stories. Oh, thank you, Dwayne, for that uh, extravagant and somewhat exaggerated introduction. You know, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna point this out right away. I I, I I'm gonna disagree that it's exaggerated simply because in setting up this podcast and now having recorded several, there's one name that always 100.0% of the time comes up and it's yours every single time. And it is always with this level of reverence that I think that we all have. So forgive us, forgive me if I, if I, if I seem a little, you know, it, this is my starstruck look. <laughs> if, I, if we get that sometimes it's just the way that is. So, but I want to talk, let's start about your, start with your relationship with Nutrier because it started a long time before most of us thought it did. You obviously, you were a Nutrier student. And uh, is that something that you, because John Gein and I talked about this in the introductory podcast, is that something that you intentionally didn't tell us or was it just something that never came up? It, it was not intentionally concealed at all. It wasn't concealed, in fact. I brought a former Nutrier boyfriend to class one day and we talked about our experiences in performing arts. Wow, so it I missed that. But the emphasis for me was on your high school experience, not mine. So if it didn't come up in the conversation, that's why. I, I always I always assumed that we were already intimidated enough and that that would just make it worse. And I so... certainly didn't. <laughs> You know, it, I'm really impressed that I was able to intimidate anybody from my uh, august height of five foot one. Well, it that it was um, amazing. Um, so, but let's talk about your your specific memories. What do you remember about Nutrier and Nutrier Performing Arts as a student? Nutrier was very important to me, and the Performing Arts was uh, just a, a sec an extension of my family. Uh, the theater that they taught there is the theater that you experienced, the serious stuff. What are we supposed to be as a human being? What, what, how can we devote ourselves to the service of this art form? And uh, so in my junior year, I had seen a cast call for a professional theater company in Chicago, and they were looking for a teenage girl. I was a teenage girl. So I asked my mother to drive me down and let me audition. And she being confident that I certainly wouldn't get it because what, what did I have to offer? Experience none, you know. Well, I was Sophie the Seal in fourth grade, but you know, uh, that doesn't fly very far in professional theater. So I went down and I auditioned and I got the part. And it, of course, involved rehearsing during the day, as professionals do, and then eight shows a week, um, which wasn't going to blend with a public school daily life very well. And 
so the theater department and my advisor at Nutrier went to bat for me. This is pretty common now to let kids out for various reasons. Then it was absolutely unheard of. It, but the school said, well, if you can pass the tests, you don't have to be in the classes to learn how to pass the tests. So I just took the tests and was allowed to graduate with my class. But the important thing about Nutrier, I was appalled by the way professional theater worked. Two weeks to discover the life of a human spirit. No way. You know, we, we that wasn't how you approach it. It's just very Stanislavski at, at Nutrier. So uh, at one point, since I was the closest thing to an ingenue, uh, I and the youngest male member of the cast were sent out to have some Randy photo shoots done to publicize the show. And uh, so I explained to the photographer that, no, this character and I, this male actor, Gavin Mooney and I, had no uh, romantic relationship. It would be fine to take a picture of us talking, but not all this hugging and all this stuff that he wanted. And uh, his he tried to explain to me, kid, you want your picture in the paper? You got to show a little lake. <laughs> so he got his pictures, but I was embarrassed by them and didn't show them to anybody. And the director was fine with them. And he said, well, you got to have a little showmanship. So when I went back to Nutria, I said, you know, do I need some showmanship? And Mr. Lehman said, I don't want showmanship for you. I want you to have authority. Wow. That's the kind of theater it was. And that's why we adored him. He made us better than we were. He he was transformational. We we could feel with his indirect directions that we were able to reach parts of ourselves that we couldn't by an act of will reach at that time on our own. And that uh, that is it, the answer. Your answer to that question answers a question of mine, which was, uh, frankly, how were you able to do some of the things? We'll talk about that later. But that that your answer there explains how you were then able to bring that into your own teaching years later. So it it is it is mind-bogglingly cool to me that you had to leave Nutria to be a professional actress. <laughs> I mean, it, it kind of fits perfectly into that. And you also mentioned leaving Nutria to go to auditions, and I assume that that was one of the reasons why you later, as a theater teacher, were extremely uh, generous to us and encouraging of us if we had an audition that was downtown where we had to jump on the train and go or whatever that you were very okay with that and it was that was something that we all did Audu and I were were talking about this during my interview with him about how that was just something that it, it when I was at Nutria it was just it was done if you needed to go down to WLS TV and I, I remember auditioning for a soap I and it was oh yeah you just go do that mm -hmm. It was a different era then, too. <laughs> well, and, and and I think that that it probably speaks to uh, your experience, and that was probably why you were able to allow us to do that. So that was that was neat. So, but you went on. You eventually you graduate from Nutrier and you go on to Stanford University, and then you come back to Nutrier. Was that something that you specifically wanted 
or intended to do? Or was that something that just sort of organically happened? There was a lot of intermission before I came back to Nutriere. Uh When I got to Stanford, I, I went as a theater major, discovered that perhaps in my arrogance, I felt that I knew everything that they were teaching in theater. So there was no sense majoring in that. So I just took classes in everything else, not theater. And then when I came back to the Midwest, I did not, I, I never darkened the door of an education department. I never took course one in education. In fact, I never intended to be a teacher. My ambition was more along the line of studying at Oxford and living in Paris with three men, but not uh, <laughs> being a teacher. Well, but, but you did, you did end up living in Europe for a time, did you not? That's, that's true. I did, but before the Europe part, I came back to Chicago and I was doing, you know, trying out for shows, little shows around dinner theater and that stuff. And I figured, well, we can do better than that. So I gathered some really good actors around and a good technician. And we established a small professional theater company. And I, so we ran that and it was doing really well. In fact, <laughs> In preparation for meeting you today, I dug out some old materials. I thought, golly, you know, it was 30 years ago after all that I was at New Trier. Uh, what have I forgotten? And one of the things that I'd forgotten was a Chicago Tribune review that listed the 10 best shows in Chicago that year. And it named ours as the second best of the 10, uh, along with big hitters, you know, big downtown shows. So that that was good. But at that point, my husband, who had been an internist, decided that he really wanted to be a Jungian analyst. So this involved moving to Switzerland, and we would both study at the Jung Institute. And so since Switzerland would let us work and earn money to support ourselves, we decided to rent our house, which we liked to have some money. And we elected to rent it to pyromaniac alcoholics. Jeez. Oh, no. With the predicted result. <laughs> oh, my Lord. So came back to uh, a, a smoldering place. Oh. And our children by then were getting ready for college. And so I was going to have to come up with some money that was more dependable than theater. So I said, okay, I will teach for one year if I can teach at Nutria. So I went and talked to Mr. Reed, who was the principal then. Uh, no, not Ralph McGee, I'm sorry. Ralph Probably. McGee was the principal mm -hmm. then. And I explained to him what my background was and how much I had loved Nutria and how much I loved learning in general. And I had ended up with an English degree, so I could probably teach English. And he amazingly for a public school said, okay, I'll just go to Northwestern at night and pick up a master's in education and uh, you can start teaching. So they pretty soon recognized their mistake. And, and <laughs> Mr. McGee said, would you like to teach one theater class? And I said, sure. He said, would you like to teach theater classes full time? <laughs> In a minute, 
would you like to be part of the committee that rewrites the four-year theater curriculum? Oh. oh, boy, oh, boy, would I, because I had very strong feelings about how an actor should be trained and how they should not be trained. I was not at all interested in looky me, I'm on stage kind of theater. I, it's the show off kind of thing that comes out of a lot of a lot of theater departments. I was interested in an actor as an athlete of the heart or why become an actor to seek truth in the company of poets. That kind of quote that I'd been brought up with in the theater department at Nutria. So amazingly enough, the theater department, and I was not head of performing arts, by the way. Um, uh, well, you were in my time, weren't you? But 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 in the early eighties, didn't you become that? Well, we all we all thought you were. <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't. <laughs> I wasn't. But let but people let me act as if I. But you were the de facto uh, head. We'll go with that. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I really wasn't. Uh, no, Tom McLean was head of speech and theater, and a wonderful one. Very very permissive, and and then with Ralph McGee as principal. The things I got away with, <laughs> choice of plays for one thing, uh, one play was Our Country's Good, and the whole first scene of that play is a very explicit discussion of female anatomy. So uh, I went to Mr. McGee and said, you know, you you might have some trouble with this. You might want to take a look at it before I announce it as the spring play. And he said, no, if you believe in it, go ahead. So we changed a few words and uh, we did it. And it, it was, I think it was a pretty good play. There are a number of recurring themes that come up when we talk about performing arts at Nutrier. And one of them, you just, you actually kind of hit on a couple of them there, but one of them in particular is that it is remarkable. Eleanor Roosevelt, uh, one of my favorite Eleanor Roosevelt quotes is, the way to make young people responsible is to throw real responsibility at them. And one of the things that Nutria, I think, did extraordinarily well was not treating us like high school kids. And uh, in the theater department in particular, you know, when when John Gein and I were talking about Doc Peterman's thing of we're going to treat this like it is a Broadway theater. We're going to treat all of you as if you are professional performers. We're going to treat you like adults. And curriculum choices and play choices and things I think reflected that because there were we did things or we were we were able to and allowed to do things at Nutrier that you just simply weren't and aren't allowed to do in, in normal high school environments it's interesting to hear that you would go to Mr. McGee and that he would allow that because of course again we all were we all just assumed that the buck stopped with you because in our heads that's where it was but it, it is reflective again of the broader attitude that they had throughout the school, which was, you know, as an example, another example would be WNTH, where we never saw staff up there. I mean, when the equipment broke down, we repaired it. I mean, it, there was literally, they they gave us, everything about Nutria gave the kids there a sense of, you know, this is, this is your life. This is your experience. You guys, you know, the, it it made us, I think, better in every way because of the way that you 
you all empowered us and you gave us that, uh, not just freedom, but you gave us this sort of direction and the the ability to to accomplish what we did. I think that's one of the coolest things about it. You're absolutely right. And it was very much a part of my thinking about teaching too. I was invited to give a talk at one time to a church group about the problems of teenagers and it seemed reasonable since I spent every day with about 4,000 of them, but <laughs> I uh, said, you know, I, I really don't distinguish between the problems of teenagers and the problems of people. And I might have been a case of arrested development myself, but I felt very like the teenagers and I felt they were very like me. They were pre-middle-aged and we, we all have the same problems. <laughs> are we? How do we navigate life? And, and so I, I did get away with things so that I, after a while, I didn't bother asking because I was sure that I would get away with things. But I was very pleased to learn that Dionysius Day still happens. Uh, that was one of my inventions. I felt it was important to teach theater history. I remember that. You weren't too young. And so this was a celebration in praise of the god of wine and fertility. Uh, well, the wine was out and the fertility was not going to be tested, but uh, was assumed. But the it, one boy did come to class dressed in a tan jumpsuit with a pink shower cap on because of the... Uh, worship of the phallus that happened as part of Dionysius Day celebrations. And I thought that awesome. Was, yes, yes. So <laughs> that sort of thing didn't seem to cause any problem. It really was a unique space. That's, yes. that's just it is. We're, we're talking with Suzanne Adams, uh, again, from the, the staff at the Nutri Performing Arts Department. And uh, we will be back in just a moment. Nutria Performing Arts Stories is a copyrighted production of Narratives Incorporated. It is written, directed, produced, and in this case, carefully and lovingly edited by yours truly, Dwayne Burkhardt. For more information, or to suggest a guest or sponsor for our podcast, please email info at nutriarepadstories.com. And join us tomorrow for part two of this very special four-part Christmas interview with the legendary Suzanne Adams. Thanks for listening. See you next time.